Hey guys, welcome to the Fellowship Greenville Students Podcast. This week, Dallas Greenaway continues our series, Lifeline, talking about how godly friendships never leave you all alone. We look at John 11, verses 1 through 16, when Mary and Martha were grieving their brother's death and talked about how God always has a purpose for our pain. Dallas talks about how we all have times that we feel alone and how we need to get alone with Jesus and tell others how we are feeling. We hope you enjoy this message. Good morning again, everybody. So like Ali said, thank you. Just little waves from, from Zach over there, right? Uh, like Ali said, we keep worshiping even when we're teaching this message. A lot of times we just think of worship as being uh, musical, but it's not. All of life is meant to be worship, um, uh, a praise and offering to, to our God. So we're going to keep doing that, and we're going to keep doing it in this series called Lifelines, right? So uh, maybe you're like, why is that picture up there? Why, why am I up here? Well, uh, my name is Dallas, and normally I am up here teaching on Sunday mornings, and you guys can see me and hang out with me beforehand and afterwards. Um, so you, you can call me Dallas. You can call me Pastor Greenaway. You can call me Dally. Yeah, there's... All kinds of favorites, right? So we're in this series called Lifelines, and like I said, the past couple weeks, every year about this time, we start small groups, right, which are awesome. We love them, and, um, and everybody who's in here will be in a small group. So if this is your first time, you'll even still be in a small group right after we're done teaching. And so every year, we, we also do a series that talks about community and friendships, relationships, and what, really, what does it look like for us to... Uh, to live out our faith in our friendships, in community, right? And so for the last few weeks, we've been looking at Jesus and his example and how he interacted with some of his closest friends and even how he interacted with brand new people. If you remember the story of the woman at the well, like how, how Jesus interacted with people he met for the first time. And we're, we're talking about what does that mean? What can we take? What can we learn from Jesus's interactions with people and apply? Uh, what can we learn and apply to our own relationships, our own friendships, right? And so the first couple of weeks, we talked about a few things. First one is this, is that godly friendships let you get real or let you be real, right? Remember, we said that, that friendships that we all, you know, some of us have, but we all definitely want, real, godly, like tight friendships, good friendships allow you to be real, open, honest with them about who you are and about what you have going on in your life and anywhere on that spectrum of, of being real and being open, right? Uh, and so that was the first week. And then the next week, last week, we talked about um, godly friendships help you grow. So remember, we uh, showed that funny video of President Trump walking up to his airplane and he had like toilet paper or a napkin on his foot or something. If you've never seen it, it's so funny, okay? It doesn't matter what you think about President Trump. That was a funny video, no matter who it is. So, um, and, but we talked about how we have these blind spots, right? He Even still, he walked onto the plane or he, he walked up the steps and he turned around and waved at everybody and he had no idea that this thing was stuck on the bottom of his shoe, and it made him kind of look like a bit of a goof. And uh, we all have blind spots in our lives. <clears throat> Sometimes, yeah, they're, they're funny things, but a lot of times they're, they're more serious, right? And we need people around us. Uh, I mean, God can help point some of those things out in our own lives. He sees us and knows us better than, than anyone, including ourselves. Uh, but he a lot of times chooses to put people around us who are going to help point out those blind spots and ultimately help us grow. So this week, we're going to keep talking about what do godly friendships look like, uh, and we're going to do that by looking in John chapter 11. So if you have your Bibles, digital or uh, actual paper, you can go ahead and turn or scroll there to John chapter 
11. And as I was getting ready for this morning and just uh, preparing this week, it, it made me, the, the subject that we're kind of talking about made me think about a moment in my life that maybe you have experienced as well, all right? Track with me here and see if you have ever experienced this. So you're home, right? And maybe it starts out that you're home alone or maybe somebody's there, okay? But you fall asleep and upon waking up, a couple of things happen, all right? So you've taken a nap and as soon as you wake up, it, you're not sure how long it's been, but you feel like it could possibly be the next day right? Or, or you may have slept so long, like it's kind of that point that like either the sun's just now setting or maybe it's coming up, you're not sure, but the light outside, it's just a little wonky, right? And usually when you wake up like this, like you're really hungry, right? And so I don't know if you've experienced that, but you, you start to kind of get your bearings and you're like, all right, well, at least I know I'm in my house, right? And, and you start to listen and you're like, you know, who else is home? Is mom cooking dinner yet? You're like smelling, you know, what is mom making tacos again? Like what's, what's happening here? And then you, you realize like nobody else is home. And so sure enough, you go look around and like your, your parents, all adults in the house are gone. Your, your siblings are gone and you're kind of thankful for that, right? Uh, but you're still like, it's a weird time because you're hungry. You're not sure what day it is anymore, right? Like you, you, you know a couple things, but not much. And then you start to listen and you're like, man, I don't even think my dog's here anymore, right? Or like whatever your animal is, it feels just like there's total silence in the house. Nothing's happening. I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but I have, and it feels like the rapture, right? Or it feels like like aliens, you know, Area 51, the raid happened and it went wrong, right? Like the aliens came and they took all the people except for you, okay? Or except for me. Has anybody ever experienced that feeling like you, everybody's just gone? And then you call, right? You try to call your mom or whatever, and uh, you're not sure where they are, and, and they don't pick up, right? And then it's, it's doubly scary. And it's, it's just this weird, lonely, uh, scary feeling. And then all of a sudden, like, you know, that person gets home, and they're like, hey, you better come help me with the groceries, right? And then you're like, okay, it's back to normal life. Like, we're here now, right? I'm not, I'm not lonely anymore, but I still am scared because I have to carry 15 bags of groceries. But you, you've experienced that, right? And that's kind of like a funny, lonely experience, and then it's all over. Like, it's not for, hopefully not for forever, right? But there's, there's moments in our life that are lonely for different reasons, and a lot of times can be lonely for uh, some pretty, like, intense, deep reasons, right? I mean, we, we talked about it uh, last week, I think the week before even, that our culture is, at least we think we are, more connected than ever before. Like, at any moment of any day, I mean, maybe you have to grab your parents' phone or whatever, but with all of the screens, all the technology we have, we can reach out to anyone. We can FaceTime people. We can, uh, you know, send a text. We can uh, shoot a uh, a picture up on, on Instagram or whatever it is, like Snapchat people, we can watch TikTok and feel like there's people with us. Like we, we feel like we're the most connected generation ever, but the reality is more and more studies are coming out that are actually saying that we're, we're more and more lonely than we've ever been before. That people don't have good friends anymore. Like they don't have a, a close group of friends and they definitely, a lot of people, more and more people these days don't, even, don't have a best friend. And maybe you're in one of those categories, right? Whether it's, I, I, don't, I definitely don't think I have a best friend. And maybe you're like, I'm not even sure who, who my friends would be. We're, we're, the reality is that we're more lonely than ever before. And our world, our culture is like starting to admit that, right? Like we're starting to say, okay, something's wrong. I mentioned this in first service, but did you know that most of the people who create the apps that we use every day, they don't even use those apps themselves? 
and they don't let their kids use those apps. Isn't that kind of interesting? Because they know that it creates this longing that will never be fulfilled, or, or maybe it magnifies that longing more than ever before, right? And so there's this loneliness epidemic in our world today, and everybody now is starting to finally admit it, and now we're trying to figure out what do we what do we do with it? And so loneliness can happen for a lot of different th- a lot of different reasons. Um, again, there's the funny, like, I think everybody's been raptured or the aliens have taken us, and what do I do? But then there's some more serious, like, some of the lonely times in my life, I don't know if you can relate, but the most lonely times for me have been when I've lost a loved one, right? When uh, my grandparents passed away or, you know, what I, I would say my favorite uncle, Uncle John, passed away. Um, even though I had people around me or had people that I could call when I was away at college, like, it still was a lonely time. Maybe for you, loneliness comes in the form of, you know, kids are picking on you and, and nobody's standing up for you for whatever reason. Like, you're, you're left alone in the middle of them picking on you, and then when they leave, like, when, even when they're long gone, you still feel lonely because nobody's, nobody's even there to encourage you, like, or to say, hey, man, it's going to be Okay. Maybe for you, the, the loneliness comes just in your family. And right now, the last place you want to be is at home. And so you, you go home pretty much every day and just lock yourself in your room because you don't want to hear the fighting or, or you don't want to deal with the divorce that's happened or inevitable at this point. Like, there's, there's, there's some very serious things I, I know that are going on in this room where, where you feel lonely, like nobody's there with you. So what do you... What do you do in those moments? Who, who do you turn to? What truths do you, do you hold on to in the midst of that? What, what do you do with that? We're going to look in John chapter 11 in just a second, like I said earlier, and, and kind of see actually like a really hard truth, but hopefully some, some good news in the midst of it. But right before we get there, I want to put this picture up on the screen because maybe you're sitting in here and you're like, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Like I've never experienced any of that. This loneliness you're talking about, or, you know, maybe you have experienced some of the things I've talked about, but you're like, man, I got this. Like, I'm, I'm stronger than all of that, right? Like, but if that's you, let me just say this. We talked about blind spots last week. There's probably some things in your heart that you're just not willing to deal with. And you think you're okay, but you're not. So would you, would you please, like, if you're experiencing anything that I've talked about and you think, like, I've got it all together, I can hold it on my own, and just talk to somebody about that. You need it way more than you realize. Sometimes I think our life is like the waves at the ocean, which I told you earlier. I'm going to be there this week. It's kind of exciting. But, you know, a lot of times the ocean's pretty peaceful, right? The waves keep coming. You know, you, you can, I don't know if you can put it on a clock, but they, they just keep coming, right? Wave after wave after wave, and it's really calming. It's really soothing. It's one of the best places to fall asleep and take a nap, right? But you guys know, I mean, if you've paid any attention to weather recently, uh, like hurricane season, this does not look so calm anymore, right? Like, if a hurricane's coming to the beach, it can, it can happen just like that, right? One day, everything was calm, and the next day, like, the waves that were, like, two and a half feet are now ten and a half feet, right? I mean, it just, it can happen so quickly and cause so much damage and, and become not the place where you want to be taking a nap in the sand, right? I mean, some of you guys won't even get in the, the ocean water, right? Who in here will not even get in the ocean, whether it's this calm or not, right? Because, you know... Uh, sometimes it's nice to swim in, but then there's sharks, okay, and jellyfish, which I am more afraid of jellyfish than sharks, okay, if I'm being honest. I don't know why. I'm just like, I can't, I can't see them. I know they're there. I step on their little jellies sometimes. Like, it's just weird, okay? I don't want to get stung and go through the process of healing and 
Never mind. Forget it. Uh, but you, you guys know that a calm scene like this can turn very not calm at the beach. And here's why I'm saying that. Because the same thing can happen in your life. And it will happen if it hasn't already. None of us will forever be like every season of life. A nice, calm wave after wave after wave. Don't you just want to take a nap here? There will be times in your life when a storm comes. There will be times in your, in your life when a shark comes. Maybe even a jellyfish, right? None of us are immune to it. In fact, the Bible promises it. And if you talk to anybody who's even just a few years older, they will be able to tell you, yeah, I thought I was good when I was in sixth grade too, and then this happened. And that's not to tell you to scare you. But it is to tell you because this is the reality, and so how are you going to react when that happens, right? Where are you going to turn to? Who's going to be around you? I think that that there's some truth in this passage that we're going to read that helps us maybe understand that a little bit more, right? So let's let's look at John chapter 11, and uh, we're going to read the first like seven verses, maybe six, and then we're going to stop for a second, right? So now a certain man was ill. Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha, all right? So Mary and Martha are back, if you remember from last week, right? So they don't just show up once in the Bible. They show up again right here. And remember, they were friends of Jesus, okay? And we're about to find out that they have a brother. So it's Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, and their brother is sick, right? Here's what it says. It was Mary, in verse 2, who anointed the Lord with ointment. And wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him, sent to Jesus, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. So, Mary Martha, got brother Lazarus. Another thing we need to know about this passage or that we see here is that uh, they, the message they send lets us know that Jesus, while he was tight with Mary and Martha, he was also really close with Lazarus, right? In fact, this is not language that we often use because we're especially for guys who are like super macho, right? Like we're dudes, and so I don't say I love you, right? But in the message to Jesus, it says, hey, the one whom you love is ill. That lets us know Lazarus and Jesus, they had a tight bond, right? These are some, some good, good friends of Jesus's, right? So um, they send the message, verse 4, but when Jesus heard it, so he hears the message, he hears that Lazarus is sick, is one of his good friends, Uh, He said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Verse 5, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister Lazarus. Wait, loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, okay? They don't have a sister named Lazarus, that's a brother. Uh, So he loved all three of them. Uh, So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. All right, let's pause there for just a second. Some interesting things happening, okay? Got the siblings, Lazarus is sick, Jesus gets the message, he hears about it, close friend is ill, and then what does he do? Does he get on his donkey and just like, just 60 miles an hour, go see Lazarus? He doesn't, right? I don't know what the donkey was doing, that's like, right? But it's not good. That's how you Kicking into overdrive in a, uh, on a donkey, right? Remember that for when you ride yours this afternoon. But Jesus, does he, does he start making his way there? No. Actually, there's a couple interesting things here that he says. First, it sounds like Jesus lies. Because he says, this doesn't end in death. We're going to read like a little bit the rest of the story, right? But 
Here's what we know. If, if you know the rest of this story, or if, I mean, I'm going to spoil it for you. Lazarus does die. <gasps> Spoiler. This is, <laughs> this is uh, Jesus, Jesus Avenger Friends endgame, right? But Lazarus does die, but Jesus just said, right? Bring it back in. Jesus just said, this does not end in death, but Lazarus dies, okay? Interesting. Did Jesus just lie to us? And then number two, right? Number two, Jesus, instead of going and seeing and being there to help and being there to grieve with them, like, he waits. Jesus, knowing, I mean, it was serious enough that they sent a message to Jesus. Hey, come do something. This doesn't look good. We know that you can help. You have the power to help. Come come and do that, right? It's basically what they're asking. And he decides to stay and wait. This maybe is one of the hardest parts in the story and in the Bible for us to wrestle with because here's what's happening. God is still fully in control. Jesus, he's not lying. He does see the end result. He knows that Lazarus will die, but he also knows that he will come back to life, right? At least it, it appears. Here's the hardest part of this story to me. Jesus lets God in the flesh Let's Lazarus die. And with that, he lets Mary and Martha, two people that were good friends of Jesus, he lets them feel the pain and the hurt and and cry the tears. Like everything that comes with your brother. Could you imagine this? Maybe somebody in here has experienced it. Your brother is, is dead. Can you imagine the pain that comes with that, right? Some of you are like, I might be happy. No, you wouldn't, okay? You wouldn't. Seriously, there, there's, there's hurt, there's pain here, and Jesus lets that happen. How does that sit with you guys? Because this doesn't just apply to this story in the Bible, but it applies to our lives as well. God allows pain in your life and in my life. He allows us to hurt, and cry, and mourn, and feel lonely, like we talked about at the beginning. He allows these things to happen. You know, this is kind of the hang-up for a lot of people. When, when rubber meets the road, when things get hard, when that life, hey, it's just, an, it's just an ocean and the waves just keep coming. When a storm comes, this is what makes people break. It's this right here. If God lets this happen to me, If God lets this happen to to good people, then he's not a good God. And if he's not a good God, then maybe there's not a God at all. You ever heard anybody say something like that? There's if you talk to people who are in in high school or college or just a little bit older than you guys, and, and they grew up in the church, they went to something like FG Kids, and maybe they were in middle school in their youth group, and but now, like, something happened in their life, and they decided, I can't buy that. I can't believe that anymore. A lot of times, it's, it's this right here. It's because if God allows suffering to happen, and he doesn't do anything about it, because we believe that God could step in. We believe that Jesus, Jesus could have, like, snapped his fingers and forget riding the donkey, right? I'm there, right? Jesus makes the same sound as a donkey, apparently. But he just... He disappears and reappears over there with Lazarus. Lazarus, be healed. No, no sickness, no illness, no death for you, Lazarus. He could have done it, I believe. In the same way, I truly believe that God could heal that person in your life of cancer. 
God could have prevented that accident that took somebody from you before it was truly their, their time is how we would say that, right? God can do all this, but why does he choose to allow it and not always save us? What do we do with that? Is God still good? Do we know why he allows suffering? And here's, here's kind of the answer. No, we don't. And yes, we do. Here's the yes. Why, why do we think God allows suffering? Well, Jesus knows right here that through Lazarus' death, God would be glorified. That through Lazarus' death, that Mary and Martha and the disciples and anybody who was there when it happened and anybody who heard about this story, including us today, that God would be glorified in the telling and retelling of this story and would be glorified exactly when it happened. So yeah, we, we know that there's a purpose. In fact, I would say this, not just in Lazarus's story, but in our stories as well, there is always, God always has a purpose for our pain. He always has a purpose. So do we know why God allows pain? Yes, because he has a purpose. But no, because we don't always know what that purpose is. I can't tell you all the ins and outs of why God lets you experience this and go through this and feel like this and why he allowed that to happen in your family. I I can't always tell you. We can't always tell each other why God lets those things happen, but we do know that he has a purpose in it. How does that sit? That's a hard truth. So in the middle of the storm, here's what we're kind of asked is to trust God. To trust God. Trust that he knows what he's doing even when we don't. For for somebody in here, you need to hear that right now. But for others of you, that truth and the power of it, the wrestling with it is not going to start. It's not really going to start to sit with you or, or sink into your heart until the storms of life hit. And then you're like, oh yeah, this is that rubber meets the road moment. The other kind of encouraging thing right there, though, is that in the midst of that, Hebrews 13, 5 tells us this, that God will never leave us or forsake us. He'll never leave us or forsake us. So in the darkest of nights or in the deepest of valleys, when it feels like there's no way out and there's no one around, he is with us. You want to talk about being lonely? You're never lonely. You never are truly alone if you are a child of God. If you're a son or daughter of God, he is with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. And he always has a purpose for what you're going through. Let's finish the rest of these verses then give you guys a chance to talk about these things in your small group. Uh, Verse 7, then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you. Are you going there again? So they were seeking to kill him, right? So Jesus, not only does he wait two days, but in order to actually go to be with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, right? uh, He's actually got to go through territory where people want him dead. So he's got to like risk his own life, right? But here's kind of how Jesus answered the disciples' questioning. He says in verse 9, Jesus answered, Are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. Basically, here's what he's saying, and kind of maybe some confusing words for us. He's saying, hey, guys, if, if I'm saying we're going to go here, like you've got the very Son of God walking with you and going with you, I think it's going to be all right, right? 
So they don't quite get that, but that's kind of what he's saying. Verse 11, after saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. And the disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. He's only asleep. No, you, don't, you guys don't get it. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, hey, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, here's, again, the purposes, right? And for your sake, I'm glad that I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. So Thomas called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him, right? So the disciples definitely don't get it. But they make their way to Lazarus, and if you know the end of the story, Lazarus comes back to life. Jesus calls him out of the tomb. The disciples and everyone, everyone there, they're, they're in awe. They can't believe what's happened. God's, God's glorified in this. So what, what can we take away? Definitely what we talked about earlier, that God is with us through it all, that there is a purpose even when we don't know what it is. What does this mean for our friendships? See, Jesus and his, and his friends, his disciples, do end up there with Mary and Martha and Lazarus, and Here's kind of what I want to say about that for us is that no matter what the hard thing is that our friends are going through, and we've got to be people who, who mirror Jesus, who are there for them as well. That while they're going through hard stuff, that we don't back away, even if it costs us something. Remember, Jesus and his disciples risked their lives to go be with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Even if it costs us something, if we want these to be real friendships, real godly relationships, then we've got to be people who don't back down and are willing to sacrifice in order for our friends, especially when they're going through hard things. So, for you, again, in those times of loneliness, in those hard moments, who's going to be there with you? Now, on the flip side, are you, are you willing to stand with your friends in their darkest or loneliest moments? Again, it's going to cost you something, but here's what we know about Jesus is that he, he didn't die on his way to resurrect Lazarus, right? But he did it at one point give his life for you and for me so that we could be in relationship with, with God. He says that the greatest showing of love is that a friend would lay down their life for, for another friend. And Jesus does that for us. Now he's called us to walk in the same way and do it for each other. Let me pray for us. God, thank you again for the example of your son. God, may we be able to walk in some way, shape, or form in his footsteps. We love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.